AEW Dynamite. Oh, I finally get to talk about it. Oh, the excitement in the air for, for me. <laughs> uh, Matt Mayer, aka Imp. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicats. And today I am joined by One Nation Radio's James Boyd to talk about AEW Dynamite for the first time here on Wrestling Headlines. I am bloody looking forward to it. A good wrestling show coming out of All Out, full of hype after an amazing pay per view. Just full, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm about to say full of hype again, but it was. <laughs> it was incredible. A genuinely all time great pay per view. Also, we don't know if individual matches will stay over the test of time, but the energy you get from watching that show, like, the stars don't matter. <laughs> because the stars aligned for a special, special match. That was unscripted. <laughs> I'm happy with that segue. It was an incredible night with all the debuts, and this was the aftermath of. Those, all those debuts, he got the excitement about and Cole, of Daniel Dynaston, what's he going to do? What's CM Punk? What's his first proper programme going to be? Is he going to end up in a feud with somebody he didn't even threaten? <laughs> the answer's yes. <laughs> so it's, we've got a lot of things kickstarting. It's felt like the first episode of a new season, setting things up. There's kind of a little bit of excitement as they then promise us quite exciting matches for next week, deliver us exciting matches on this show, and Arthur Ashe, which is just round the corner, so it's an exciting time to be an AW fan. But James, how are you doing? How, how are you enjoying AEW right now? I'm enjoying it a lot. Like, I thought that Bell to Bell, uh, the pay-per-view, wasn't necessarily the peak of AEW uh, pay-per-views. I think it's, like, the second or third best one. But um, it doesn't matter. Like, they had hella debuts and surprises. Like, to bring out Minoru Suzuki, to bring out Ruby Soho, to bring out... Adam Cole to bring out Brian Danielson, that is a, that was just like shock and awe for, you know, a four hour show of just incredible, um, an incredibly cohesive uh, show of just like bell to bell action was all like, I, I think only one match I would not say is good. And that was a battle role, but that's fine. It's a battle role. Battle rules are not meant to be uh, good bell to bell action, but um, to top that all off uh, to have like that kind of a, of a, uh, ammunition, if you will, uh, added to the roster, um, even from the cameo of a uh, match of Suzuki on this show, Dynamite, and then having uh, Danielson, Soho, and Punk, like, that's just a big deal, and, you know, like, I just can't wait to see all of the toys uh, mash up together. Oh, it's, it's, it's Tony Khan with a, f- a fresh new set of toys, and he just cannot wait to get home and play with them. <laughs> it's, a, it's an exciting time. Uh, and uh, the big thing, which is coming out of All Out, obviously with not just the debuts, the incredible match with Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros 2, uh, person, I, I, it's going to be difficult for that to not be my match of the year. Gonna have, something spectacular is going to have wow. to come out. I watched it again uh, yesterday, and it's, it's still amazing. It's still, it's still, ha- it still works outside of the hype of the pay-per-view. It's just a solid, solid match. And... Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the we uh, recently are here on Wrestling Headlines. We put uh, Sam Brown worked on the list of the top fifty AEW matches from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one. While the twenty twenty one list onwards has started off hot. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Lucha <laughs> Bros Young Bucks with an incredible match, and yeah, they just the excitement in the air. I, I noted it when I did the Raw review on Tuesday, but I've seen people on Twitter who are normally. Like, they normally don't watch WWE every week, and they're not, like, anti-WWE or anything. Like, they'll be singing their praises, or they normally go that way, a little bit stronger. And even they were saying, mm-hmm. 
they did they didn't want to watch Raw because they wanted to stay excited about wrestling. <laughs> it's like wow. wow. <laughs> and these are people who like they they gravitated to WWE more. But what AEW is mm-hmm. doing recently is really grabbing them and showing them like no wrestling can be done in this different way. It can be exciting. You can try and please your fans rather than for some reason hate them. <laughs> I don't know, it's a weird spite of being a wrestling company. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. But yeah, AEW is on absolute hot fire right now. It's just goodwill with the fans being built up incredibly strongly. And like, even there was one, I think I got into a Twitter thing with one person who was saying, like, how, how can you be so certain that Brian Danielson's debuting at All Out? And um, my main reason was in a throwaway promo, it was just, uh, um, Cutie Marshall was just going off at Big Show. But the line he said was, here in this company, we don't break our promises. We won't. We don't let you down. And then, as soon as he said that, I was just like, "It's Cutie Marshall that said that." Brian Danielson's going to be it all out. <laughs> it's just confirmed. <laughs> it's just oh yes, amazing. <laughs> oh, but, but yeah, um, AW building up incredible goodwill. CM Punk was not that long ago, and now we're just comp- so hyped with Adam Cole with Brian Danielson. We have Ruby Soho. On this show later as well, it's just it's incredible momentum, and it's just the, the excitement around the product that they, they did re- for me. The uh, like kind of if we're going to do a, like a one sentence quote review of this show, is that it successfully carried the momentum from All Out. That excitement is still there around the company. You didn't get to the end of the show and go, I mean, I'm a bit tired of wrestling now. I want a break. Like no, I can't wait for Rampage. <laughs> I can't wait there. The yeah. stuff they hyped on that show as well. Like, that momentum's carrying on. Every show set yeah. to come after this has got, like, a big match that you can't, you can't help but get excited for. Yeah, and I think, um, in a way, the pay-per-view in and of itself, the night of the card, um, so much stuff went well as far as the, mm. the, the execution of the surprises, um, the debuts, and also the matches, but one thing going into it was if you look at and Rich pointed this out, and I didn't, and it didn't, Chris, it didn't dawn on me until he pointed this out. You look at the stories and the build in, all, in most of these matches, like aside from Jericho and um, MJF, obviously, like it was kind of a weak card from the storyline build. It was just like not not necessarily anything was bad, but it was, but some of the stuff was like okay, so Briss up against a challenger that. On TV, we don't really see much, uh, and that's a byproduct of the fact they don't do that much. They don't showcase their women as much as mm. most would like, or I would like anyway. Um, you look at the Lucha Bros and the Bucks. While the Lucha Bros went through the tournament to get to the Young Bucks, they didn't have much interaction, um, and I think that's because the, the 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 process of the tournament being so sh- like. Just almost like you win, and then you're almost like a week later you're in the match. Um, uh, then you throw out like Christian, and Christian like is just on paper is a weaker challenger, new to the uni- new, new let's say the the, the AEW universe, if you will, weak to <laughs> you know new, newer to the company, the promotion, and um, you know a lot of people were, were just really dead set on the Hangman match that gets pulled because of the uh, mater- the paternity leave. Um, so like there were things that were working against the show, um, but it just didn't matter because the night of it, you know, and this, I think a lot of times, um, 
the 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 beauty of wrestling where like you can come in with a weak build, you can come in with a um, a weak storyline or a weak challenger, and you can save it in the ring. Um, if you go back to like 2016, one of my favorite uh, examples of this is like that Charlotte and Sasha Banks feud on Raw in 2016. They 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 weren't. This was not Becky versus uh, Charlotte per se. This was not uh, Bailey versus Sasha per se. As far as like the depth of character work and long term long term story and characters and just feeling an immense amount of tension in in that build. It was just like they're just gonna go out there and wrestle. There's no out there and wrestle. Like the promos aren't even necessarily good. There's no out there and wrestle, and the wrestling will save it all at the end. And th- and when we look back on that, we look back on that fondly because we got those. We got the vision of uh of uh <laughs> Sasha making Charlotte cry uh and being getting her hand raised by Ric Flair and Charlotte. Like so that's I think so I, I think that um that was kind of a weak build up uh kind of compared to the previous pay per views in AEW, but. Coming out of that, we have so much stuff. Mm. We have so much stuff, and like the the hit the ground running with like two matches, like Malachi and Dustin or Suzuki and uh, Moxley. Like I was just like in the way that those matches went. Like I, I thought this was a one of their better episodes of uh, Dynamite. We're just saying something because like some of their best episodes of Dynamites are some of the best episodes of uh, North American professional wrestling I've ever seen. <laughs> It's just that phase of, how come this week of Dynamite is one of the best episodes of Dynamite? You say that every single week. (laughs) Seemingly. And and it's always for different reasons. Whether Mm. it's the promos or it's a a big angle shot or whatever else. Like, in the recent weeks, it wasn't like that. But, like, I feel like we're kind of back on track to kind of, um, once they started getting crowds back. So, um it's, it's, I feel like it's going to be a really fun um, ride for the next you know weeks and months, potentially. Yeah, and on this show as well, it's the, the two notes I had from it for, were, uh, were the uh, kind of the opener and the closing, where the opener was like, oh, you're opening the show and with all this hype coming out of All Out, you're not opening the show with Elite cutting a promo and you do all the Daniel Bryan stuff there. Oh no, Elite, you're opening with a wrestling match. Nah, that's crazy. <laughs> no, uh, opening a wrestling show with wrestling? Mm. That, that's, yeah. too, that's too bold. <laughs> Can't do that. It, it, it helps when there's also some of the work of uh, that pay per view. Mm. They they built towards having stuff happen before and after. Um, the Santana and Ortiz versus uh, FTR part. You know the second version of the match after what happened to uh, Hair with his arm. Like to have that on the go home show uh, that or that go home week, and then, then then to have all of the. I guess uh, Malachi Black destroys Cody Rhodes's uh, life uh, and family segment. The transition from Lee Johnson uh, thing to uh, Dustin on on Wednesday, like I thought that that was great to give you something to look forward to. And that's that's the thing with AEW; they are, they are always going to give you things to look forward to in the coming weeks, or and they fill out the card after that. And like building anticipation is what wrestling is built on. Mm. Um, like I think at its best for WWE, it would be like after uh, the brand split in 2016, when like you knew one or two things like that were being built to for like two, either one or two or even sometimes three weeks out for SmackDown for SmackDown Live, like and that was really important at that time. That's why that show did so well with AJ and and um, Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss and um Mo- and I almost said Moxie mm-hmm. Dean Ambrose at that time. Mm. Uh, it's just that that wheel just keeps spinning. 
and the the next turn is always there. You know where you're going. You know what is next. As in, how can we not stay hyped when it's Andrade Pack on Friday? And what they did on this show as well to build up at MJF Pillman and Caster yes. Pillman as well. Like there's just so much to look forward to at that next step. It's not just this show. Not like not. It's not like the short term. How can we make this show good? It's always it's continue. The bigger picture is always there. And like one of the criticisms I saw as well was. With all these stars coming in and all the big pops on AEW being the return, or not the returns, being the debuts of all these new stars, like who they're going to debut next, who's going to be the next amazing acquisition. One critique was, well, what are they going to do once they start, once they can't debut all these names and generate hype that way? To which immediately <laughs> everybody just wa- who watches AEW routinely was just like, they'll just continue doing why the thing that made those people come to AEW, they'll just go back to that, you know, telling the stories, <laughs> putting it up the character. Yeah. Just the creator. Then it screamed bad faith take from someone who doesn't watch the show. <laughs> and it was just right. But they've seen the general right, like, It was one of those things where we, we talked about uh, me and Rich talked about this on one nation radio on Monday. Like I hadn't, I hadn't seen that tweet, but what I heard and just on face value, like that sounds ludicrous. <laughs> and for me, it was like, it was so ludicrous. I was like, okay, this person must have something more than just that, but it's Twitter, so the constraints lead to a lack of nuance being just cut off. But when people see that just at face value, they're going to think you're out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need to make it a thread. <laughs> Explain yourself. <laughs> that type of stuff. Or, 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 don't tweet it. <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't tweet it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, I... I'm a person that doesn't want the thunder to come to my door. Like I don't want the I don't want the beef to come to my front door like Domino's. Shout out to Lloyd Banks, but like I I the stuff I tweet is kind of benign for a reason. Like I don't want I have a podcast, luckily, so like the stuff I need to say that it may be controversial, I can sit down and explain it. Like if if I can tell you, like I tell you, like I don't think that Hangman Adam Page should be the uh, should be the AEW World Champion right now. Like I can explain that to you. In a, in a in a longer form as opposed to like tweeting out of the 240 <laughs> characters people think i'm out of my fucking mind yeah. because he's so over it with the crowd hmm. yeah right 15 minutes into the show uh i feel like it's got our kind of like overall painting the picture of what aw is like where we are at with aw <laughs> it's a uh, this is me taking control of one of our shows which always goes off the rails <laughs> we always talk about yes. something unrelated and they go way too long so the main topic for the show Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. Is it looking like that match is set for Arthur Ashe? I'm going to run through the segment and we'll just talk about it, all the excitement. There are a few stories spinning off of other things from the segment as well. So, the Elite was promoted to be interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And it's fair to say (laughs) that's not quite what happened. Uh... First, they all come out sans Adam Cole because he's got to do the big introduction, have his music play, as in, look at the new cool guy. Um, and immediately makes me laugh by Don Callis just yanking the mic out of Tony's hand as soon as he got in the ring. I thought, well, it's not going to be an interview. <laughs> That's the end of that. Don't have the microphone. Don Callis is just going to run his mouth now, uh, jabbering about their greatness. Uh, Nick Jackson with an obnoxious nose ring. <laughs> just going to say it. <laughs> just that, and that chain going all the way down. The Young Bucks are adding layer upon layer upon layer on looking like idiots. <laughs> Just every week they do something else and Nick Jackson's beard, the way that he's dyed it, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Taking a hit for the show. <laughs> that is crazy. 
And yeah, this week the nose ring is like when I, when I think they can't add any other layer to look like twits, they come up with the next one. <laughs> that nose ring is insane. They got more. They got more looks than Madonna, and like they're all awful. Like, I I swear Nick Jackson has a new like facial hair style or color than like the women in Stardom from week to week, from weekend to weekend. <laughs> with hair with just hairstyle in general like i i don't know why he's doing this i don't know who's it for but like they all look like goofs kenny kenny's hair is always terrible the fact that it's in blue is like okay whatever instead of it being like grayish yellow whatever that is is blue now so congratulations but it's 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 really special what they're doing and and, it, and like i feel almost like they're doing this because if they don't, they feel like the crowd will still support them. But it's like, no, nah, y'all, y'all have y'all have pretty much been assholes. Y'all, so mm. no, I, I think they would hate you regardless. But like, those clothes are awful half the time. <laughs> like, especially awful. And the fish hair is worse. Like Nick Jackson when he came out for um, um, Double or Nothing with like the with, like this rust looking hair, I was like, what is going on? Mm. Like he looked like um, he looked like the Tiger guy. Uh, from oh, the Netflix documentary, yeah, Tiger King. He looked like yes, he looked like Tiger King, and like think of think of where we are now. He he looks um he has like nose ring like from the from the villain from <laughs> Three Hundred now. Like yeah. he's, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't I don't I want to know who is like helping him like him in also Matt like come up with these these disgusting looks. <laughs> it's incredible, and we got a close up of it because he was the one to bring out Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, out comes Cole, and uh, to a great ovation, obviously. And just a little little uh, story that was coming out today uh, via Dave Meltzer, who is reporting on one of the uh, one of the reported stories proposed to Adam Cole, where apparently coming from out of creative, so Bruce Pitchard or Vince McMahon. So it's more likely the idea they would have gone with. This is not one of the many thrown out by creative. This is Vince and Bruce themselves. With that idea of Adam Cole being Keith Lee's manager in a Leo Rush, Bobby Lashley type way, and just immediately, uh, um, my immediate reaction is, well, that's just absurd. <laughs> yeah, he made the right decision coming to AEW. It's like, what? Well, yeah, when that is what's proposed, um, yeah, I, I mean, Adam Cole's had nothing but nice things to say. He's been nothing but positive about everybody there. Um, obviously he's not holding any questions, but of course as fans we look at what the idea was, it's like, yeah, we're getting the, a much better story here. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. This yes. is so much better. Like I'd much rather be the number the the underboss, the number two mm. in the elite as a singles wrestler than be uh like the Leo Rush um person in, in in a pairing with Hill. And it's also like, oh, so you're turning Keith Lee Hill too? Great. Like I don't know what it is with this man and his inability over the last, like, I don't know, seven, eight years to, like, see people that are gen- that are just inherently likable and then turn them heel because, like, he has no use for people that are inherently likable. Like, turn Bailey heel, turn Kyrie Sane heel, turn Oscar heel. Like, I don't I don't know what's going on. Mm. Ruby Soho comes out, or sorry, uh, Ruby Riot debuts as a heel, never even runs as a babyface, even though, like, NXT... She was really liked as, as a babyface. I, I I just don't I don't get it. Naomi never Naomi hair, inherently likable. Never really given a shot as a as a babyface on the in the women's division. Um, seriously, like it's it's really weird. 
Well, yeah, he, um, my main takeaway from WWE is they just don't know how to do baby faces. And even if they do them relatively well, in like Drew McIntyre, after a certain amount of time, they just start to drop the ball. And he, you hear the things like, well, this is what gets baby faces booed. <laughs> type of reactions and things. Yeah. And it has happened. Yeah. Drew did start to get booed, which is a shame. And it's, it's so, great. And it's so crazy. Mm. Like, WWE... Like is the one ter is the New York territory the territory that ran on baby faces Bruno San Martino hmm. Bob Backlund Hulk Hogan Randy Savage <laughs> like Brett Sean Steve Austin The Rock to all the way to John Cena and then you had John Cena CM Punk Daniel Bryan and then like Daniel Bryan like broke their their entire like way to build baby faces like top baby top of the car baby faces like it's almost like he got over by we by we by us beating him to death when the crowd didn't want that and therefore they re revolted and th and then we gave them what they wanted after we had to uh, change plans and it's like that's why we do baby babies like Sami Zayn comes out and he could have been a, a a number four baby face on a brand number three baby face on a brand where you put him in big matches and you beat him and maybe he gets a a, a title reign or something like that nah. We just we just immediately beat them and then like it doesn't work and then we wonder what happened and then like that's been like rinse wash or repeat for like so many people like we got Drew McIntyre and Bianca Belair um, over the last couple years as like examples that like if you can book somebody and present them well and they're likable inherently and they're kind of earnest and they have a kind of report the crowd like they can do that um, and it works and it's almost like they don't realize that like how they've booked the last few years is like booking on the exception that proved the rule that like y'all are messed up it's, it's really weird i um but back to aw uh they don't have that problem at all because mm. they, they 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 find people that are likable they push them and they and they win a bunch of matches and occasionally they'll lose to get heat for the next person that may be bigger than them but like they're not lacking for baby faces anywhere and like quite frankly most promotions that i watch don't lack for baby faces it's only this one yeah that a that wwe one it's yeah. weird <laughs> it's so weird uh, but this this show as well showed you how to play certain baby faces to certain crowds, as in not acting like your whole fan base is one homogenous entity. Like the different cities, yes. you can play to them in different ways, and they yes. bloody did that in this show, like incredibly well, incredibly well. And um, yes. but yeah, so Cole immediately stepping up to Tony Schiavone. And threatening to slap him if he looks at his girl the wrong way. <laughs> just step down, nerd. Step down, nerd. <laughs> Get out of the ring, nerd. <laughs> it's just... Oh, that was such good heel stuff. <laughs> just amazing. Like, immediately establishing him as a jerk. It's like, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> just, uh... I, 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 I did not know that Adam Cole was threatened by Tony <laughs> Schiavone. But the fact that, like, just historically, Dane back to NXT, like, he is a very, very... Not uh, not a double entendre to talk about his height, but he is a very small and secure man, mm. and he always has been. Mm. Uh, so, like, I'm glad to see that that carries through wherever he goes. <laughs> it, it, like, he, and he's really and he's really good at getting hot about the smallest things. Like, there's a reason why Triple H loved him so much. Triple H is really big on that too, mm. of being like this heel that just like has the the just the 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 mental fragility that's like this small. <laughs> And uh, Cole say that he may be new to AEW, but he's been elite for a very long time. Just catching everybody up who have either wasn't watching like Ring of Honor or New Japan at their massive height, or any being the elite. Like just catching everybody up to speed. Like, no, Adam Cole 
and they even put it on the Adam Cole's like name card that came up as well. Said specifically that he was a part of the Bullet Club with them. So just just make sure everybody's fully aware that this isn't just a random pairing. This has got history to it. It makes all the sense in the world. And uh, another guy to revel in the fact he can call himself a professional wrestler in a promo. You can see it. Like the crowd may not care that much, but you could just see he just takes a second. He's, and it's the little smile before carrying on. It's like, oh, I can say this. This is nice. It, it blatantly means a lot to some people <laughs> just to be able to do that. It's quite nice to see. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing, you know, Adam Cole is, and also Daniel Bryan too, like, they're mm. very um, respectful for their time in WWE. Um, but that pro wrestling line is different when it's Adam Cole, and Adam Cole has had to say, like, the kind of talent he is as opposed, as opposed to the kind of professional wrestler he is for, like, the last four years. So, like, it did hit different, and, like, he was hitting on that on purpose. So, mm. like, so you're, you're, I think that was smart for you to bring that up. And uh, telling the crowd off and not thanking the elite for everything, which is, <laughs> it's just that point. Like, you see this take so often in the social media spaces and things of, oh, well, the elite are, not, are just holding AW back. Oh, the elite, AW could finally move forward if it just wasn't for the elite. It's just like, if you don't at least, like, try and find out the history of this thing, you're going to look like an idiot. <laughs> it's just... And I see it from people that I would assume more logical as well. <laughs> it's like, I know you follow wrestling. Why would you make say this Don't when you know all elite wrestling? They literally, it was them that even announced this thing even existing. <laughs> it was their think, doing specifically. Think about it. <laughs> think about it from this perspective. And uh, Rich pointed this out to me. Uh, in 2019 and 20, like you could argue that they did not make themselves, mm. they did not push themselves hard enough, and they were doing all these jobs. Like they got bounced, or the young bucks got bounced out the first round of the uh, of the tag team tournament by Private Party. They lost to, uh, they lost the second match, that ladder match to uh, the Lucha Bros. They they you know they kept losing. They put over the when it was time to get their title shot in 2020 at Revolution. They lost to Hangman, right? Kenny Omega, he failed immediately out the, out the box uh, at as a singles wrestler, went into the tag team thing, had that great tag run with Hangman, and then on the, and then he turned up at the end of the year. Same thing for the Young Bucks. Like they spent the first year in the company putting almost everybody else over. Cody, you could argue, hasn't stopped putting people over uh, still to this day um, in that way. And now we have come full circle where like these are two. Uh, the Young Bucks and uh, Kenny Omega are two of the top or uh, acts in all professional wrestling, regardless of promotion, regardless of what country. And now they're and and they're in the numbers have shown that like the company has grown with them as the top stars in the claim of their matches, especially the Young Bucks matches. Um, and the response now is now they're now they now they're beating too many people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mm. I guess that's why young. I guess that's why Daniel Bryan and um, CM Punk are there. So I guess we'll even it out, and then like I guess I will figure it out from there. It's time to recalibrate. The status quo has been changed, so maybe they they shook up the snow globe, and we'll see where they go from there now. But it's it's been a it's been a wild ride, you know, since uh, October 2019, mm. hasn't it? Mm. <laughs> Especially as uh, like, of course, we came from like New Japan and Ring of Honor as well, fully aware of everything. I was watching Being the Elite as well. I wasn't. I wouldn't call myself a somebody who checked it every single week, but like I, I knew of the show. I was. Mm-hmm. I at least knew what was happening on it. 
And it's crazy, absolutely crazy to see the way that it ballooned. Uh, all in, obviously, the catalyst for it all. Then the meeting with Tony Khan and all the all it coming off of that. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And then it, of course to see the takes, it's kind of like there's a reason I don't respond to them because they're so blatantly not within. And it's so basically not an argument that's going to go anywhere because there's they're not operating on the or on what's actually happened. So it's it's their interpretation rather than well no this thing happened <laughs> it's not going to go anywhere. I mean I think I think in social media like the, the hyperbole is like you know super high and mm. you have to take you have to try and figure out quickly or not quickly you have to try to figure out like what's in good faith and what's not right yeah. like so you know I, I I mean I don't know how a lot of these people like if you're a booker for professional wrestling and you're online. Like, I don't know how you have the confidence to continue to pull through and do what you do. Like, <laughs> like I, I think the the committee system that um that's kind of a place with EVPs and Tony Khan, like that kind of saves them because like you might feel you might be down and think that whatever you're doing is not working at this point in time, and then like it takes like a group of people to be like, all right, nah, hold the course, or we have to restructure some things, but we believe in this person and it's gonna work. Like, like a lot of companies would have after like the nightmare collection. Or whatever it was, Brandy Rose and and um, and Buddy, that's bald headed, that's on that's on Dark all the time, and, and and Meg, like a lot of people would have looked at that and been like, okay, Dark Order is also struggling. Um, uh, Britt Baker as a babyface is not struggling. Like they just, they just like figured it out eventually. So um, it helped with Brody Lee, obviously, but like they they figured it out eventually. So I just I just don't know. It, it has to be a really hard job to, to do all of that right now. Like I mean. Look at Triple H. Um, not, I'm not, I'm not mentioning. I'm not talking about the the, the heart issue he's had, but I'm talking about like going going to cable, looking at uh, booking how you've booked, going to expand to two hours, doing a lot of good things, not struggling because you're in a LA Fitness <laughs> with 400 people as opposed to like going against uh, you know four four or five thousand people every single week, mm. uh, like. And getting notes from Vince McMahon or whoever else on how to change the show to make it more mainstream in a, in, in front of a poorly lit four hundred room for four hundred <laughs> people like that has to that, mm. that has to affect your 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 um like your confidence in being able to do this job. Um, but um, hopefully Triple H uh, is on the road recovery after his hard episode from uh, apparently this week. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I just has to be hard. That's all I'm saying. And I'm, I've digressed again from actually talking about this show. So listen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this happens every time. <laughs> this is this is. Uh, yes, it does. Whenever I have James on, this is going to happen. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> yeah. Tangents galore. Uh, be happy we haven't just stayed mainstream on a not even related topic. We're on topic today, at least. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, Cole announces he'll be making his in-ring debut next week. And he was announced later in the show that will be against Frankie Kazarian. Which explains why Frankie Kazarian ran out to attack the elite. As in, obviously, he's the elite hunter. He's he's better. If we're gonna give him praise, he's better than Yoshi Tatsu was at being the Bullet Club hunter. <laughs> I'll give him that. Oh, that's a callback. <laughs> Just yeah, he's he's better than that. He actually hits moves and they affect the opposition <laughs> compared to Yoshi Tatsu. That was who was just uh, nothing. <laughs> like, he, like he was chopping a brick wall. <laughs> just nothing, Yoshi. You're useless. Uh, but yeah. So next week, the debut. Yeah. And it's against a trusted veteran as well. So you're going to get a solid match. Uh, but speaking of uh, like the debuts and matches and things, one of the other critiques I saw was 
that or how are they going to fit all of these people onto this one show with the going to feature these new names to which immediately in my head I was thinking you're picturing it like they book like WWE as in every week you got to make time for these people to do their segment that's not how AEW book and we saw it on this episode the amount of matches or segments that featured young stars like I was really impressed just like especially got full on matches at least two or three segments were full of young talent and not even not even featuring any of these new names which has to be applauded like really really good stuff and as in they're using the spotlight that's on them to show you the future show you this young up and coming talent not just say look we've got these old names look at us just wheel out the names one by one like no they're showing you what got them there they got them here to this dance got them to where they are at currently it wasn't just look at these exciting names coming in. It was like we were. That, for me, that's the thing that anyone who hadn't checked into AEW because we've been singing its praise for God knows how long now since since its creation. <laughs> you kind of seen the praise of the show, but similarly, some, yeah. some people just weren't listening or weren't interested really. <laughs> type of thing. But CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and oh, it's going to do me in calling him Bryan Danielson, and also screw you, Bix, calling him. Um, uh, I say, oh, I think like dry and Banielson or something like that. Like, screw you, it's <laughs> on my brain. In it's so difficult to think it right. Um, or, or or Daniel. I think Bryanson. I'm just gonna call him Brian until like get it right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In my notes, it's just Brian. <laughs> it's like, I don't need to change anything. It's perfect. Uh, but yeah, and just featuring all that young talent. So just that they showed you on this episode. Yes, we got loads of the new names coming in, but or are there, how are they going to find time to feature everybody? Well, that's the thing with AEW. They don't feel like... They don't have to feature everybody every week. They don't. Pac and Andrade didn't have a single segment on this show. Yeah, they got a match on Friday, but the way they hyped it was to tell you there's a match happening on Friday. They ded- dedicated time to it, but there wasn't that need to pull them out onto the stage and tell and have them do a promo telling you there's a match. It's a difference in like booking of the show philosophy. And the AEW's entire thing, they said before they even had a single episode, we're going to produce a show where we can rotate the people so folks can have a rest, so they don't feel like they're not going to be on TV every single week. Hopefully that'll keep the talent a bit fresher and not risk as many injuries. And yeah, you saw it on this show. There was t- they were able to dedicate time to certain things. Lucha Brothers, they didn't get a celebration, they got a wee little promo. So you got to see that over this show. And uh, Adam Cole getting his little announcement as well. So, looking forward to that. I, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish my notes for this segment. <laughs> One of us keeps taking it in different directions. So, just as Omega starts talking about hating interruptions, out comes Brian Danielson, said his name right, to his booty-popping classical theme. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was, again... That was one of my favourite tweets on the weekend. So, uh, someone imagining the conversation between Daniel Bryan and Tony Khan. It's like, oh, oh what kind of theme music do you want, Bryan? It's like, oh, I'm thinking... I want something classical, but also something you can pop your booty to. <laughs> That's this thing. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's something unique. But it's, it's something unique. <laughs> and yeah, Omega clears the ring to address the man directly. But Brian just snatches the mic out of his hands and cuts right to the chase. I really like this. Uh, like, you guys want to see me wrestle Kenny Omega? And I loved the note of Brian seeing for himself how title hierarchy works differently in AW. It was just... It was they found a, a nice way to have a little dig at WWE, but it fit the in terms of character, in terms of continuity that, WWE, that AW does do. 
As in, them coming over from WWE, they don't acknowledge that, oh, who's this random person that we've never seen before on our specific show? They're like, no, we know you know them. <laughs> so obviously, we're, gonna, we're not going to pretend their past doesn't exist. And for me, it's like a double-sided thing where you get to do a little joke about how WWE runs things, but also, it makes sense because Brian was in WWE after all these years, so the way that he's like, oh, I know how to get a title shot, but that's not how it works. I like it. <laughs> it's just a nice little note. And it, so my takeaway from this was that we are looking like we're getting to a big match for Arthur Ashe, assumably the main event, and Danielson also goading Kenny into attempting an attack, but right into the Esilok as the champion is caught, which queued into our brawl of Jurassic Express, Christian and Frankie Kazarian, all making the run-in save. In the end, Cutler's the last man left, circled by dragons and dinosaurs as he takes a running knee to the face. <laughs> the crowd chanting that he'd effed up. Oh, it was so beautiful. It was so well done. <laughs> so also in the beatdown, Brandon Cutler was the first to get to Brian and he just started spraying yes! him. <laughs> it was so yes! Funny. Yes! Like, he, he sprayed him with the spray, with the cold spray, and, like, Brian's like, well, it's cold spray. Like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then you know he lets go, and then like he gets isolated, and then he's the one eats the uh, the running knee. So I I loved it. Um, I, I, um, Cutler's just a really good like I don't say job guy, uh, but at least like a um comedy guy at least for just being a geek. Like he's really fun and really good at that. I took that moment to fetch some water from the side. So <laughs> you've experienced silence for like half a second. Oh, right. Uh, but yes, incredible segment. And obviously, as you can tell, I did warn you at the start that there's lots of little segments to spin off of it. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're finally going to rock on with the rest of the show. Which was just as solid as this was. Like genuinely, I'm like really hot on the rest of it. And quite literally hot. Because <laughs> it's like 30 degrees. Anyway, and I'm knackered. All out, I went to bed at like 7.30 in the morning. Tuesday, went to bed at like 5 in the morning after <laughs> doing stuff. So today, it's the last day and I'm excited to talk about an exciting show. So, AW Dynamite from September 8th, 2021. And oh my, was this a special Sunday night. <laughs> oh my, it was Sunday special and this was a special follow-up as well. Uh, made sure to get in my Jortikai voice. <laughs> so, as we talked, we mentioned a little bit earlier, Manakai Black which is easy for me to say, started the show against Dustin Rhodes. The crazy concept of opening a wrestling show with a wrestling match. Insanity. And uh, Manak this was basically just Malachi's destruction of Dustin. Like a backdrop through a table, kicking the leg out of his leg, mentally playing with him as he pisses him off, kicking Cody's boot towards him. Just like a wee fight back from the man, like uh, Dustin whipping out a destroyer. But the charge took him right into the exposed turnbuckle from earlier and the spinning heel kick for the win. Are they calling it Black Mass in AEW? They are not. They're calling mm. it a spinning heel kick for now. Um, me, me and Richard were, wondered when, what are they going to call it. I don't know. If, uh, they don't have a name for it yet. Like, mm. But they have, not, they, have, they have made sure to not call it a Black Mass yet. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was spinning heel kick, but yes. Anyway, also blood pouring out of Rhodes' mouth as Black walks away, uh, caught by something. Uh, but the visual worked absolutely perfectly to the point where 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't, think, I wouldn't call you an absolute idiot for going. Oh, is that genuine blood? Because it adds so well to what the story that they're telling. That, that I think that was an absolutely fantastic accident. <laughs> it looks so, it looks so damn good, specifically to make Black look even more crazy. As in, he kicked that man so hard that he's just dripping blood out of his mouth. That it was, yeah, a fantastic visual. But yeah, a really strong. I want to say really strong opening match. As in, it's continuing the story of uh, Malachi Black. And it led into a really good pop later on where they were just casually going through future matches and they just flashed up Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black at Arthur Ashe. And the crowd was just like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> the match is finally happening, get it there. I feel like they've done a really good job building Black. And for me, the kind of the big thing for it is how incredible his entrance is. That, as in an aura just enters the arena when he does that entrance. It's not been lost, they've kept that up. And uh, he continues to be built really strongly. I will not be surprised if Cody Rose just puts him over again. As in, it just feels like, make this man an absolute, uh, I was going to say phenom, but just this unbeatable beast who will beat the shit out of you. <laughs> and Cody Rose is a uh, top guy to kind of put him over. If I looked at this, um, you know, so suplex, uh, our, our lead host is Floyd Johnson for All Things Elite. He is a super fan of Cody Rhodes. Um, he thinks that it will be similar to the Brody Lee thing where it was a squash match and he comes back and gets his win back. From, the perspective, from my perspective, I think that it would almost be booking malpractice if Cody were to win um, that match with Arthur Ashe. Like, the way they have presented... Malachi Black from day one. He is a top of the card guy. He should. He has been presented as the number two heel in this promotion. Uh, in front, like the way it's tracking. He would you rather? Would you rather face MJF uh, in a singles match? Would you rather face Malachi Black? I want no parts of that guy. <laughs> mm. He is a destro- he is a destroyer of worlds, and I mean in the ring. I don't mean hocus pocus and lore and bullshit like <laughs> that dude. That dude systematically takes people takes people apart and tells great stories while doing so. Like from um, from Cody to sw- destroying him in four minutes to uh, Brock Anderson to Hell Arn, uh, not in a match, but you get my point. To Lee Johnson to this Dustin match, and I thought this match was I thought this match was a great match. Um, I, like I, I, I'm probably giving like three and three quarters stars. Uh, like I thought that Dustin. Um, Dustin, it'll be 2030 and he'll still be able to work his ass off. Um, like the stuff they came up with and decided like to, to start that match hot that way in up outside the ring to, uh, to getting basically the, the Randy Orton uh, back suplex spot through the table. He makes it back in. He start, uh, Dustin mounts a comeback. Uh, Malachi cuts him off with calf kicks, uh, tries to run him with Irish whip. He can't make it. He, uh, Dustin fights back, ends up getting um, going for a power bomb. Can't can't lift him because of the bad knee. Mal- Malachi goes for a back body drop. Dustin turns the back body drop to a sunset flip for a cover. Like I, 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 I just they're just excellent wrestlers, <laughs> workers, storytellers. They have all that in their game, and those two together were great. And like, um, I love Dustin's. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Cody's getting squashed by Malachi. I love that four-minute match, like what happened all in it and what led to the fin- you know, um, the finish. 
Um, Malachi Black is like, he he's, you see how he was positioned as NXT champion in NXT, and you see how as top, he was at that point the top babyface after uh, Gargano turned mm. heel on him, and then you see how where he is now in like since I think it was J- July Fourth weekend, and you and you're like, Vince or sorry uh, Triple H and Tony Khan seem to know what the hell to do with him. This man did not, um, and. I'm just interested to see what's next after this Cody thing. But I think, he, I, you know, you look at social media and you look at the announcement uh, tweet about that match at Arthur Ashe. You look at Fightful um, reporting. Um, also, their tweet, their neutral tweet about the fact that that match is happening um, at Arthur Ashe. And you see the replies. People are like, this is Cody should not win. We will riot. <laughs> and it's overwhelmingly like Malachi should go over and beat this dude. And like Dustin, or not Dustin, but Cody has made himself He's a top star that has positioned himself on the card as a mid-carder uh, since day one. If he comes back and he just does what he did with Brody Lee, I don't, I don't, I don't. That takes a lot of uh, steam out of what Malachi Black's doing because, like, that's somebody that should definitely, like, after this Cody Rhodes thing, go on to a Darby, go on to a CM Punk, go on to a Daniel Bryan, um, and any other, or go on to Adam Page. Like, you don't think Adam Page, like, coming back from um, paternity leave is somebody that needs, like, somebody that can jumpstart him and get him on track to eventually Kenny Omega? Like, I think that you should save the eventual loss for uh, Malachi Black for somebody that, you know, could eventually become the champion. And Cody Rose, like, not even just in, uh, in uh, right now as far as car plays, but, like, also in kayfabe, he can't do that right now. So it'd be, I, I feel like it would be a waste of time, but, like, this match was excellent, and, like, Malachi Black, every time, you know, he's scheduled for a match, I just can't wait at this point with him. He's 4-4, four for four, like, every single segment he's been on, every single week, he's not out of the park for me. Yeah, it's like just following the rulebook of NXT. Just book him to beat the living crap out of people. They're absolute badasses. Keep up that aura. Don't debut him as Ricochet. Look at these guys doing cool flips. <laughs> like no, <laughs> it's just uh, removed all of the aura. <laughs> just, yeah. The the crazy part about that was even that at the start worked out like they mm. were undefeated and they were having an exciting tag match and they didn't win at WrestleMania and then they broke up that team for no good reason and once they broke them up they had nothing for either one of them really. Mm. It, it, um, but whatever, it's just like that dude is just really good in um in this position as Malachi Black with like the entrance and the way he just beats the hell out of people. Um, like I can't wait till like there's a Moxie match mm. or or other other programs I mentioned like like that the dude the dude is seems like they're positioning him to be a top of the car guy uh for this for the in the future and like I'm really happy because I've always liked him for the first time I ever saw him Russell um and like this is almost like validation like when Moxley showed up in AEW to now. Like that's validation as a as a person as a, as a fan of these people and, and like see like it feels like these people are being put in some optimal positions uh, creatively and to see all these people flourish like this is further validation. See Malachi Black doing this right now mm. uh, for me. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to keep happening as well. Just with the yeah. especially as I guess like the PWG kind of crew just all comes back together. Seemingly, yeah, yeah. seemingly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't even have to have to say the name of the next one, but or the next two possibly, but everyone would immediately know who they are. <laughs> it just it screams that it it just makes sense. They were part of the very similar vision 
So it makes, and they're all very creative people who love professional yep. wrestling. So to leave a place that kind of makes them very financially sound, but kind of strips that other part away. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind the idea of um, what Brian Pillman sold. It, it, it would be so good if I bought this up later, <laughs> but so it would be an amazing transition. But no, I'm talking about punk next. <laughs> but uh, with Brian Pillman, what he told Bishop is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over to WWF and I'm going to become a big star there so that I can come back to WCW and make a huge impact. <laughs> it's just, oh, just uh, amazing. I don't mind the idea of, as in, what if Stevenson does this? Goes to AEW, becomes a huge name, then goes to AEW to actually succeed and be good. <laughs> as in, you, bring the, you become a star and then take all of that to somewhere you can actually be booked well. <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> you want to go that route. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's going to be the land of the big boys after a certain amount of time. But currently, it's a, it's a mix. It's a mix, currently. Uh, so, yeah, get ready for that 80, uh, 80s style of the Big E wet dream. It's going to happen. <laughs> Just, oh, oh. The, the problem isn't the size of the wrestlers. The problem is the wrestling style in, in mm. WWE. Like, if you're Drew McIntyre or you're, or you're Roman Reigns, um, Roman Reigns is like does a little bit less rest holes and slowing down the matches or whatever else. Like you're perfectly fine, mm. but there's how many of those are there? <laughs> you mm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, in in WWE that that have been that have been well traveled like uh like a Drew McIntyre has because of after he got fired from mm. WWE the first time to to go to hit the Indies and then come back uh, with a whole new mindset on how to wrestle for a modern crowd still while still appeasing to what Vince McMahon wants. Or someone that's been on top for a long time and has been you know almost from day one been groomed into being able to have the experience like Roman Reigns. Like, there's not that many guys that are, like, plus 240, you know, that <laughs> that have that kind of, that kind of, um that kind of thing. So, like, for them to, if they want to fill the, the PC up with with Crosses and Keith Lees and, and Maces and Dijaks, fine. But it's just, like, wrestling one style will not make you a better worker necessarily in like uh if you only wrestle for one company and that's the only viewpoint of it like you're i mean i mean just look at look at what changed the wrestling business with like the guys in wcw the cruiserweights like mm. all those guys all the best super junior people were well traveled benoit uh eddie ray jericho uh lance storm Malenko, all those people went around the world to hone that craft, and then you take it back. And then, like, you look at what happened in with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. People rustled around the world. <laughs> Kevin Owens yeah. rustled around the world. Finn Balor rustled around the world. Like, mm. it's not rocket science. Like, <laughs> this is a really, this is a really hard job. The more experience you have wrestling a different bunch of different styles, gives you more tools in the bag in, whenever you need them to tell whatever story you need. And just, you know. Being in a in a war in the in the warehouse and seven rings and there's a hundred other people. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that we got a Bianca, the fact that we got a Bianca Belair is is mm. um in in Big E's is actually like the real is the real thing. Like they it, they probably weren't even supposed to make it be that good, mm. given that situation, that circumstance. Yeah, and uh, personally for me, I like the idea of AEW and WWE both presenting different kinds of wrestling. It's like yeah. like a big gripe of when TNA were chasing WWE was trying to book like WWE and take notes from them. 
when in reality being different is what got them to the dance. And it feels like AEW have like they've learned lessons from from those past eras from WCW of what not to do. And yeah, I, I like the idea of two different ways of booking wrestling. I'm fine with that. Obviously, my, my main take on WWE is I would be fine watching it if the TV shows made any sense. But they don't. <laughs> the continuity right. drops after two or three weeks. <laughs> More often than not, you find yourself going, oh, but but didn't you say this? Or <laughs> something like that, just something small. Or something will run, it'll feel formulaic. Or when someone's cutting a promo, it just feels like a script, so I can't buy into it. There's weird production decisions. There's so many segments yeah. not thought through. Like, um, the two examples I'll give... Uh, one was uh, the Irish interviewer walking up to Matt Riddle like a crab. <laughs> it's just that that was caught on camera. As in, uh, the interviewers have to make themselves look shorter. So the uh, Matt, Matt they had, a, they had a wide shot. As in, I, put, I made a gif of this, put it on Twitter, and it, it blew up. <laughs> I was getting so many different retweets from people. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. But... Uh, yeah, so they, they decided to do a wide shot down the hall of sad Matt Riddle walking towards the camera, and then the interviewer walks up to him. But the interviewer can't be taller than the wrestler, so he has to do a little squat. So he then walks up to him. But they decided on this wide shot, so, so it means that the uh, interviewer is caught crouching and then walking sideways. <laughs> so he ends I'm up looking walking. at it right now. Mm. That's cra- that, that is. Yeah. <laughs> and not only does he have to walk up crouching, he has to walk up like while also facing the camera so it's yeah yeah, yeah like it's so it's very sterile so it's very sterile for me that's a sign of not thinking it through or types of production um you've not really planned it type of thing as in you've not allowed enough time to plan it out and think it through it's a sign of not thinking it through so you do the wide shot you know you've got to have the interviewer crouch so what what do you do you just do a close-up shot on riddle you don't have the wide shot and capture everything the, the end of <laughs> you don't need to do anything like that and but no they capture all of it this week a different kind of smaller thing where when they decide to plug certain things when do you do it in the show when's the best time if you've not thought it through you go why not do it here type thing just throw it in which they did this week um with um one saying they plugged connor's cure whilst carrying cross's theme was playing in the background and I'm just like, oh, Jesus. I'm just like, if you think that through, <laughs> you yeah. cannot. It. The end is, yeah, that is. Yeah. Kind of, that's kind of dark. Yeah, it's kind of dark. And they're, they're yeah. all doing the serious voices, like, please, uh, can you just uh, like donate to cancel? Go to carnivalescure.com. I think like serious message, which genuinely yeah. should have the time dedicated to it. It's good that de- 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 uh, it's good that dedicating time to talking to the camera about this. But because they didn't think it through, there's a woman shouting to fall and pray behind them whilst they're plugging it. Um, and I brought this up on the review on Tuesday. I was just like, just think it through. But this is a sign that they're not thinking it through. Then I switched to AEW and every single segment, everything they do has been thought through because they've thought about it before the day itself. <laughs> and it's Vir- as simple as that. everything. Virtually yeah. everything. So you're not going like, to get stuff like when, that. Like, obviously, Cole went, came out of the Hill uh, Tunnel. Mm. Um, but uh, when he debuted um, at uh, All Out. But, like, for them to say, hey, like, he's about to do the Adam Cole, baby, uh, you know, and the crowd's going to pop for it. Like, what will maximize that pop? Hey, let's turn on this interest music so you can feel the full, like, the full, like, sound of that. Mm. 
uh, like just basically enveloping the entire arena. Like they they do a lot of things. Like my my when AEW gets itself in trouble is because they almost try to do too many uh too many things all mm. at once. But like for the most part, like they think things through or think about like the total picture pretty well. Like I have an issue with their camera production at times, but generally that's speaking, that's more of an American thing. Like I just wish everything was more or less like shot like new Japan or mm. stardom. I, uh, or the, that, that team that also does stardom as well as new Japan. Uh, but outside of that, like, mm. I don't really have many complaints. Like sometimes I'll think, eh, maybe I wouldn't have done that or that's not my thing. But like, you generally see an honest effort for them. They actually care. That's the best way to yeah. put it. They actually care. And and they in WWE at times they're like they they feel like uh oh, yada yada whatever it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying AW don't make make mistakes. They do. They but do. They'll yeah. be for different yeah. reasons. They they're not going to make a mistake because they haven't thought something through, which is like a main contributor to WWE's problems. And compared to AW, where if they're going to make a mistake, it's going to be for a different reason. And they do make them. Yeah, it does because they thought because they thought too hard. Yeah, <laughs> there's the other side of it. So yeah. Uh, anyway, so CM Punk. Let's talk about CM Punk. Also, before we moved on, CM Punk. That's when we got our Lucha Bros little promo. Uh, and just reminding you, they had a fantastic match and became champions. Anyway, CM Punk, a ball of excited energy, just as pumped for Mox and Suzuki as the rest of us. As CM Punk suddenly becomes the show's hype man, <laughs> just going. Uh, look at all this guys <laughs> it's so good um, asking the crowd who would should face next oh actually before I get onto that pointing out uh, Aunt Linda from the from Dark Side of the Ring on the Brian Pillman episode and I think he just saw her in the in the, in the the audience was just like no I'm gonna tell her that she's uh, an angel for doing what she did which <laughs> which I uh, yeah it was the, the fact that um, it was a very it's a nice feel good moment obviously I- setting it up for later MJF. That's what I was getting at. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they they highlighted her so that MJF can then go get heat on her. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it felt it, the way that it was all done felt organic in the moment. Like he was just yeah. picking her out of the crowd at the time, and uh, clearly the dark side of the ring guys didn't know anything about that. <laughs> Their reactions to it was quite cool because <laughs> obviously they were just marking out that oh, CM Punk watched that show. Oh man, <laughs> type of thing. So that was awesome. But yes. But one of my favourite... Uh, Taz, for me, gave me multiple moments that I loved him for on this show. <laughs> First one is when he interrupts CM Punk here. So asking the crowd... Punk just asking the crowd who should he face next, and he goes to different sections, to saying different names. I really like that idea for it. And then Taz just, immediately, just interrupts him from commentary, saying, don't you ever mention any member from Team Taz. Get their names out of your mouths. And then Punk's just like... I mean, I didn't, like, literally nobody. <laughs> I thought that was so good. And that brings out Hobbs and Hook out with their muscles as Punk pleads to Taz just to send them down. Come on, do it. Uh, yeah, it looks like Punk's feuding with Team Taz does that excite. I mean, obviously going to build to uh, Vicky Starks, and that's Punk wrestles another hot upcoming star in AEW, but uh, does the idea with this feud excite you? Um... I like it for the fact that it gets him some, it'll get him some wins. It gets him in the ring with some people that really need uh, that kind of big level experience. Like Hobbs and Starks are two people that like, 
you know, you, we talk about that. There, there are two people that like in the long term for the company, it, it would help them. It, it would help them a lot and, and give them a lot of goodwill if they actually did something with someone like Starks. So Starks can talk his ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Starks can also is a good wrestler. Uh, Hobbs is somebody that you think like in time could be m- like a big time, you know, muscle hoss person that go along with the the uh, the Miros and the. Uh, I guess for lack of a better word, Kingston's or, or mm. Wardlow. So um, yeah, I, I think that long term, like this will benefit them being in the ring with someone that has that kind of experience. Even though he is the quote unquote, you know, less uh, his his knife is less sharpened right now. But like in time, like uh, it, it it will definitely pay off. Um, and I think that you know, Team Taz needs a needs a bit of a po- profile boost. Like I love Cage as far as a wrestler, but like. The team Taz thing went off the start, like when uh with Taz and Moxie was really was really cool, mm. but like they turned into one of those lower uh factions in AEW really quickly. Um, so I think that you know, and it's not for the talent because like like I just mentioned. So I think that this definitely helps. And you know, he mentioned he wants that Punk mission he wants to hook uh, uh he wants to lock up with Hook, which is funny because like I don't get the meme the meme memification of Hook. I just think like. <laughs> I, I think I don't know if it's because he's taller than than Taz or what, but like I just think he's just some he's just some kid that just you know. Mm. So like if this is for his first match with CM Punk, that'd be cool. Like that's a cool memory. Like hey, my first match with CM Punk. I mean, Rich got him over with me. <laughs> the hook is a goon stuff. That just got him over with me immediately. <laughs> it, he's just a part of it. Like there is there is an agenda going on. Like there are a lot of agendas going on uh, on online with uh, wrestling these days. But like. The the hook the the hook thing is is definitely there. I, like, cause I I just don't personally get it, but <laughs> I, I think I do find it humorous though. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, this is uh, yeah. CM Punk was like saying in all of his interviews and things like the feuds with the guys he's already wrestled don't interest him. He wants to be wrestling all this new upcoming talent. And yeah, going from yeah. Darby Allen to Ricky Starks, Hobbs, Hook. That's just, or, or maybe not Hook, but yeah, that 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 does excite me. And. That then led us into our next match. I am I am forgetting about two segments there. We had a little break beforehand. We got Santana and Ortiz coming after those titles. So even though there was no tag team kind of tag team scene building matches on this show, they specifically had promos telling you what the situation is, like who are going to be the big players coming out of All Out. Uh, we also got Ruby Soho backstage with Tony asking about her open challenge that Hater has accepted. Uh, Brick Baker interrupting her. So why don't you go back to catering where we're spending the past four years? <laughs> it just absolutely destroys her. Uh, Ruby in herself was not really falling for any of the talk, still staying tough. And um, just talking to uh, Shivani afterwards, like, I know he's, she's a girl, Tony, but I'm going to whoop her ass. <laughs> so it sets it up for later as well. Uh, dancing yep. the line of Britt Baker is super over, but she's still the heel. I feel like they balanced that line quite well on this show. It's a question of seeing Raves, where Baker is so over, is it wise to keep her as strongly heel in the way that she's done? But I think the decision is, right. we're just going to keep doing what's gotten her over. They're not going to actually change anything, really. Maybe small adjustments, which I think is the way AW prefers to do it. Like, if she's going to turn, it's going to be gradual. It's not going to one time just walk out and go, I'm a, I'm a good guy now. Like, she's not going to do that. It's going to be Jamie trying to pop her head with her bicep. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Somebody said they didn't know if they wanted to be be friends with Hater to train with her or marry her. <laughs> they couldn't tell which one else they wanted to do. <laughs> it's just, uh, she, I, I will say, uh, in terms of 
like the change from her AEW kind of initial view uh, to what she's now becoming her return. It's like a different person almost. Like, like um, on Twitter, I did see that she would always constantly post the, that she's like doing the workout videos, the workouts and stuff, and then look how much muscle I'm putting on. But it would also be always be like. I don't know, just like a quick gym shot or something, and I'd just quickly scroll past it. I'm not really paying full attention. But then she came out, I was like, oh, that's why you were posting those. Oh, <laughs> okay, suddenly I get it. <laughs> but yeah, you have yeah. become a beast. Yeah, she won the pandemic in the same way that like mm. Pete Dunn won the pandemic. Like, there have been a few yeah. people that have like just, you know, they are. Ethan Page also won the pandemic. Mm Like, yeah. there are a lot of people that had. Hell, Chris Statlander won the pandemic. There are a lot of people that like, you know, were away or, you know, couldn't wrestle or what what have you, and they decided to invest that time they had into their bodies, and it, it's paid off for a lot of them, and she's one of them, definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, I, as a person that watched her in stardom for uh, for almost a year, entire year, like, I, I you know, I, I think highly of her as a, as a off-the-cuff promo. I think highly of her as a worker. I think highly of her as a power wrestler. So, um you know she's she's now is the muscle for Brit, but I think that like in her own way, like she there could be like Warlow potential for her down the line. I'm not necessarily uh, thinking to that level. Like I think Warlow is like literally like AEW's Batista in waiting, mm. and like the MJF thing is Triple H Batista waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. But like I can see like Brit or uh, like once it goes left or whatever happens with uh, Hater and and Brit, like Hater becomes a huge foundational piece for that division. Yeah, it, again, it's another future acquisition that's just going to pay off dividends in the end. Uh, but before we get to that later stuff, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs with Hook face Dante Martin. And all eyes on them, AEW choosing to showcase two of their most promising young talents. Just, oh, bravo. Well done. Fantastic. I mean, everybody with the with the question of well, what are they going to do now? They've got all these big names. How are they going to fit people onto these shows? Like this. Just gonna do it like this. They're gonna rotate yeah. people, like they said. I mean, what they've been doing since day one, and because of me again, that question was another sign of. Well, yeah, I understand. The AW got a lot of new fans with the whole CM Punk stuff, and the whole of new, these new acquisitions. There are a lot of people who weren't watching AW and now are jumping on board. But yeah, it, this is one of the things you will learn pretty quickly. Is that no, the rotation system really does work. It keeps people fresh, because uh, scarily enough, the. Like the audience doesn't have a goldfish memory. We will we will remember things. <laughs> it makes sense. That's that's how we can follow TV shows. <laughs> like we've done yeah. it for years. We'll be absolutely fine. And what a pairing this was. Huge power versus agility. Uh, a few notes. Jesus Christ can Dante jump? <laughs> that uh, jumping drop kick. <laughs> like wow, incredible height on that. And. Uh, Hobbs as well looking like an absolute beast. There was a one spot where Dante went to do a dive to the outside and Hobbs caught him, but it was timed so perfectly well that Dante just had his feet hooked on the ropes and it looked it looked, it looked so natural, like he really had just caught him mid-dive. But for Dante to actually pull that off, like both of you, like round of applause. I'd say they're that young and they're putting off stuff like this as well. But in the end, Hobbs winning with the spine buster seemingly knocked a tad out of it. By beat the dive, beat a kick, beat whatever. It was seemingly, it was, he found his big boy strength to hit that spine buster, but it was a bit messy. <laughs> it was a bit okay. Let's just stumble to the finish. Oh, something's obviously not right here. Yeah, but yeah, he, he seemed to like relatively more fine afterwards, kind of pose and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, a, a 
really nice showcase from AEW to put these young stars in a match like this on a show which got a huge viewing in 1.3 million. Yeah, Dante... Um... I don't think Dante needs to go through the punishment that Darby um, has put himself through to get to where he is. Mm. But I do think there is a role for him right now with, with, with um, Darius out as him being a, the suffering baby face that, that just goes out there and puts his heart out there and and, you know, does incredible feats of athleticism and, and leaping ability. And, um, and like basically where's the ass whooping, um, and eventually over time, like he starts picking up wins. Like I like I think there is a a a role for him as fitting into that um right now in the company. Um and like he's gonna do some sensational things. Like that spot you just mentioned, like that was like, whoa, that's that's crazy. But like like you mentioned, um uh the end the end it, it stumbled to a weird halt and grind grind to a weird halt until the finish. But like, yeah, um get Hobbs to win. Because Hobbs looked impressive beating the hell out of uh, Dante. Um, and then you set him up for eventual match with CM Punk um, over the next couple weeks or whatever else. And, you know, that's kind of how it's done everywhere <laughs> except for one, one other promotion. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All logical sense. No questions, Ivana. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so next up, MJF speaks. I can't repeat most of what he said because <laughs> we're on YouTube. <laughs> But it was fantastic. Like, on a night with like CM Punk uh, hyping up the crowd and everything, MJF stole the show in terms of promo work and uh, that kind of segments on the show. The crowd immediately bombarding him with you tapped out. The match on Sunday was restarted because of extreme bias against him. And the crowd are against him because they're from the dumpster fire, in, the biggest dumpster fire in the world in Shitsinati, Ohio. <laughs> it's just completely running them down and uh, agitating the crowd like really, really well. When uh, running down the ringside Pillmans took place, which is like, oh, there were just some vicious stuff in there. I'm just going, well, hey, you, 16 and pregnant. <laughs> what are you? Uh, and, and then like, I let you know I'm the daughter of Brian Pillman. Is that well? That explains your bad looks. <laughs> Which I just thought it's just oh, I'm just vicious MJF. Which brought out the Brian Junior interruption. Which I thought Brian Pillman Junior did a really good job here. He felt like the way he delivered it felt like he was getting caught up in the hype and kind of just motivated himself that like he. He got over, I guess, over ambitious, we'll say, and just charged the ring. And it fed off the energy of the crowd incredibly well. And he seemed to just keep that heat as well, the, the, backsta the backstage segment too, where they set up his match for Rampage and for MJF at Arthur Ashe too. This was one of the examples I was talking about earlier on how to play to a hometown crowd slightly differently. The way that they did this, it was, it was so damn perfect. The crowd responded so incredibly well. And right. the whole segment was fantastic. Yet another showcase of AEW's young talent. We've got Brian Pillman responding with fire as MJF is lashing out with verbal fury at everybody. And uh, yeah. uh, another note on that would be his relationship with Wardlow, which we touched upon a little bit throughout this show. A big note in him lashing out at Wardlow, where Wardlow afterwards was like, he, like the large human male still helped when Pillman attacked. But he didn't do it like immediately. <laughs> he was 
He kind of just strolled over. It's like oh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna rush to help MJF. It's like, I, I thought that was such a fantastic way to have him respond, still do his duties, still actually help MJF. But he didn't see. He wasn't like super keen to do so. He wasn't running to his side. He's like evidently the boss has pissed him off type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, everybody in this segment did their role absolutely fantastically. And they got this. They got the Ohio crowd extremely hyped for Brian Pillman Jr., who hasn't really before this like had any promo work. Really, you've had maybe the, the plucky babyface to video interview thing. That oh yeah. geez, well, I'm gonna do my best to beat that team, <laughs> like stuff like that. He might as well have had that accent. Yes. <laughs> Is what he was yes. saying. Yeah, like I am a grown adult and I am wearing a varsity jacket. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm still in high school. <laughs> um. Yeah, I really, I really like this segment. Um, I thought this was the best talking segment MJF has had in a, in a, in seemingly months. Mm-hmm. Um, like right place, right time, right insults for the right city. Um, it works. Like, and also the fact that like you do that because you know you're going to give Moxie the big win in the main event. Like, I felt like this perfectly plays into like how you play a crowd. Um, like the only thing he didn't do. Good enough, in my opinion, was he didn't shit on the Bengals enough, but I mean, he did mention the Reds like stinking for the last 30 years, so good enough. Whilst well, so I'm sitting here, sitting here going, sports reference. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. the football team is the Bengals, the uh, Reds are the baseball team. Oh, right, okay, yeah. As in, um, I, I, as soon as MJF said that, I was like, well, I'm assuming the sports team did a sports thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, sorry, because I forgot American football, not 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 <laughs> real football. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I think I know the American football teams better than I know the American soccer teams because American soccer. It's a, uh, I, I, yeah, I've oh, hardly. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched yeah. I've That's... watched Super Bowls in the past. I've semi kept up with leagues. I've not. Okay. Uh, as in, it's been quite a like when I was at university, like uh, from like mm-hmm. 2011 to 2014, and I'm putting late nights quite a bit. Uh, when you're kind of that age, it's kind of perfect to do it. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, watching the Super Bowl was like a kind of a thing to stay up for. It was when the uh, Saints were winning, like that era. I think the last one I watched was when... Oh, the Pac- 2009. Or 2010 is the year they won, but yeah, oh, yeah. That, oh, that's the first one I watched. Oh, I was before university I started it then. <laughs> so yeah, maybe like a four or five year stretch I kept up. And then I just fell off. Like, <laughs> left university, wasn't watching it with the same lot. It's like, uh by myself, it's not the same. <laughs> so, <anyway. laughs> so uh, then there are things called like I don't know if you've heard of them, like jobs, and you have to get up. <laughs> so suddenly, the Super Bowl is on very late over here, <laughs> and it's it's not it's not an event over here in the UK. It's even like really worth like recording, staying up with everybody, experiencing it, watching everybody laugh at the halftime show, or, or enjoy the halftime show, <laughs> whatever it is. So, yeah, it's not the same watching it afterwards where you've seen little notes or pictures or whatever. Uh, so, yeah. But, yes, this segment was fantastic. It wasn't the Super Bowl. <laughs> MJF and uh, and uh, Brian Pimble Jr. setting up their match for Arthur Ashe incredibly well, as well as setting up the Rampage little match for Brian Pimble Jr. as well. Oh, also they beat up Griff Garrison. So there's your heat, your extra little heat reason for Brian Pimble Jr. to want to go after MJF. Not only did he go after his state, not only did he go after his family, but also his fellow blonde, which leads us <laughs> into the match uh, on uh, Friday. Which then leads us into the next match to talk about, which is Jamie Hayter versus Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho. <laughs> Our 
Oh no, I've knocked everything down for the bit. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. <laughs> oh god, I, oh the whole camera angles off. <laughs> I've knocked the stand. Oh, I forgot how big the acoustic Do it again, was. do it again. <laughs> Encore. <laughs> oh. There you go. <laughs> no words that time. I need to concentrate putting the guitar down. <laughs> right, there we go. Uh, oh, I'm going to do that bit every time now. <laughs> I've not thought that through. I've not thought it through. So, <laughs> so, what a feel good. I've nailed the feel good feeling that, the, that Ruby Soho's little introduction has given us. <laughs> so, what a feel good little introduction it has been for Ruby Soho. A wrestler with clear talent that WWE just refused to care about, really. The height of her main roster run was a throwaway filler pay-per-view match against Ronda Rousey at, like, Fastlane, where it was just just, Ronda Rousey needed an opponent. She couldn't really face anybody big because everyone they cared about was going to have a match at WrestleMania. So it was like, fine, we'll throw Ruby at her. She can beat Ruby. Uh, there we go. And that was Ru Wright's biggest moment. Never really got anything additional. Uh, this year at WrestleMania, they eliminated pretty quickly at, in the uh, in the tag team thing as well. So don't think... I think that's her only title match. Or any only title I, match. I feel like she had... I could have sworn she had a match with uh, either Charlotte or Becky um, for a title on pay-per-view once. And like, mm. either Charlotte or Becky, was, they just didn't have it that night. But the match layout was for them to have a really good match. It just didn't happen. And it wasn't, mm. and it was the others. It was one of the horsewoman's fault. I, I, I'd have to pull it up and, and look through the cage match to find mm. it though. But just seeing the excitement here as well and the way that the fans reacted to her, it felt like another, another example of a talent that WWE didn't really care about, but the fans did. And the amount of people, yep. where just her natural ability as a really likable person it's like it kind of just is. Well, we were talking about it earlier that WWE doesn't have room for uh, to try and book really nice people. Like, look at Mustafa Ali, <laughs> like one of the most genuinely, <laughs> and they just they just don't know how to book a person like that. As in, in terms of when I look at the WWE roster, and it's like, yes, there are the PWG names that are still there. I'd love to see the likes of Cesaro, the likes of Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens in AEW. I'd love to see the PWG lot just all kind of migrate to AEW as that kind of crowning of that era. However, the other name that really jumps out to me is Mustafa Ali. Mustafa Ali screams a guy who's just underappreciated in WWE when AEW would uh, see him as, uh, kind of, they treat him as the kind of uh, star that we kind of seen him as. And yeah, there's quite a few people in, and Ruby Wright is one of those people who was just on the sidelines in spite of the clear talent that was there. Never really used, not really given much of an opportunity, and then was just there in the women's tag scene. I mean, just watch this, take this week's Raw for what even matters with the tag scene anymore. <laughs> like, it's just that the tag scene that the Wright squad were in, where it's the just the most generic booking of a tag team title match you'll ever see it's currently happening with the women's tag team scenes. Like every single next feud is the same where it's to book them. We need them to beat the champions. Then they do the one-on-one matches for both sides. And then they lose to the champions at the pay-per-view end of <laughs> there was no further kind of booking, nothing intro, nothing further past that. 
and see that the Riot Squad weren't even the team that would win the match to then face a champion. <laughs> it's just like, oh, God. Uh, just, uh. And then Liv Morgan's gotten a bit more attention recently. A little push at, towards Money in the Bank before disappearing as well. Do you know Tony Storm's on the main roster? <laughs> it's just like, what is going on? Quite often with all this stuff. Uh, they booked some parts of that division well and other parts they don't even use, which is uh, an interesting one. But this match itself, it, it turns out, for me, well, the main takeaway for me from this match was it turns out when fans are genuinely into what you're serving, they're more willing to let the in-ring wobbles slide. Like, with WWE, you see it all the time, like how cruel they are to uh, some of the wrestlers when there is a genuine muck-up. It feels like, oh, oh, no, it's gone wrong. Here... The fans didn't care. They just kept enjoying the show. So it turns out when there's more to chew on, when there's more there to bite, they're not, as, they're not going to be as critical when there's a mistake. There's, I don't know, there's more goodwill, the more into what's happening. Uh, I just felt it with this match. The crowd didn't turn on anything. They just, it was like, oh, there's quite a big mistake there and the kind of running from the, the uh, kind of go-home stuff. Yeah, it just didn't quite click the same. Uh, it didn't quite click right. And then we kind of got the, with the ending, with the kind of uh, slight, uh, slight error, <laughs> I'll word it as. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, it didn't really matter. Like, for me, I, I felt a bit like seemingly top-notch on-the-spot improvisation as it was going just completely wrong, <laughs> as uh, Ruby's reverse, well, I, was, I don't know if it was reverse Rana or if it was the get Alabama slammed into the uh, kind of curl turnbuckle. It was one of the two. Uh, it almost seemed like they were going for a reverse Rana attempt that got thwarted because of the strength of Jamie, and then Jamie was going to Alabama slam her into the corner, into the turnbuckle in the corner. Mm-hmm. But either way, like it, it just went all cattywampus, and um, it, 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 it was bad. But luckily, mm-hmm. that that was the the it was at towards the very end of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in a kind of in that way it was similar to the Hobbs and, and Martin match where it's like, oh, okay, like it's going pretty well. And then like one thing happened and you're right. Like they have uh, in WWE, like you, if you make like one mistake, like you're almost done for. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the um, pressure. You're, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're seem, it, well, if you're not over anyway, mm. you're seemingly done for. So the fact that like um, Ruby is, 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 uh, is really liked right now. And um, I, I, that definitely helped. And like, mm. and, like, no doubt about it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but, there, yeah, so it was up on the shoulders and Hater just seemed to lose balance, kind of fall backwards, and they somehow improvised into falling forwards in it's like a front-faced slam type thing. And, yeah, the crowd reacted like it was on purpose in terms of an improvisation after an improvisation, and they, they didn't mind. They didn't care. They're biting on what they're serving. It doesn't really matter. Ruby winning with a, I'll call it a riot kick. I missed what they call it. Uh, Ruby kick. Soho kick. It's not the Riot kick anymore. <laughs> or is it Riot with one T? So now it's fine. <laughs> it's, it skirts that kind of WWE trademark stuff. Uh, post-match beatdown, Rio runs out making her dynamite return, if I'm right. Shortly followed by Statlander with a chair. Fending off the villains before... I don't know if I miss, miss, didn't see this correctly the way that they ended the segment, but I could have sworn they were both just sitting on Chris Statlander's knee <laughs> as the music played. I don't know if it was just Rio. No. Because of the beatdown that Ruby got, uh, one of them opened the chair for Ruby to sit down on, and then um, as and then as she's sitting there with her new her new buddies, 
um, Rio took a knee on Statlander's knee, which is funny because like I've only ever seen that. I've only I only ever seen that in starting with like Nasty Poi and Hameka or Nasty Poi and, and Shuri because like like obviously Rio is adorable, but like I didn't know they're stealing people's adorable gimmicks from other people. <laughs> but it happened. <laughs> also. Taz moment of the night with him just singing the Ruby Soho theme <laughs> to, to end the segment. <laughs> He's just going Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho. See, having the time of his life. <laughs> I thought it was just, I was like, yeah, a couple of times. Taz, Taz was just great. <laughs> Such a bundle of joy he was. Uh, yeah, like Taz, Taz um, is an underrated addition in AEW since day one. Mm. Like him on Dark has been has been really good. Like I, like he's one of my favorite AEW announcers. Mm. And uh, Excalibur off getting married, so he's uh, got a few times off, and uh, Taz filling in, and yeah, it, it was a joy on this show. <laughs> he was he was absolutely perfect for it. Uh, before moving on, uh, K Black Day Enigma says, uh, "I definitely want KO to leave. I, I've hated how they've booked him since they had him running from Braun. Uh, KO is supposed to be a badass like Samoa Joe." <laughs> it's like yes, hundred percent. Well, again, just take the notes of what NXT did. Which was exactly that, the fight owns fight character, which was the exact Kevin Owens badass. And then he comes to the main roster and it looked good to be, to start off with, but he became like yet another person that does the John Cena three match pay-per-view routine. And, but that means the new person doesn't get put over. Or was it, oh, but you're facing John Cena, that gets you over. Yeah, but there's no follow-up plan afterwards. So now what? <laughs> that thing. I I think that Kevin Owens is perfectly fine in what position was one of the few success, like immediate success stories out of the NXT to main roster pipeline. Um, and then after WrestleMania 33, once the Jericho thing um, kind of ended, that was kind of the beginning of the end. Like it was so weird that like uh, Kevin Owens and AJ Styles didn't just not knock it out the park immediately. Um, and then you ended up, I think it's 2018 is when he started doing the Braun Strowman porta potty mm. stuff and everything. And, um, you know, his, his baby face run in 2019 got thwarted because, of, uh, you know, the Kofi mania thing took off the way it did. Um, and they turned him back heel immediately. So, it, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird things that are like, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's completely the cup, uh, the promotion of Kratos fault. Uh, but like it did stink to see him like after being presented so well, the first couple years, like kind of just fall back into that mid card, that gigantic uh, pool of mid carters in WWE. Mm. It is an absolute shame, and uh, I just see it again, seeing the kind of swerve, the change of the tide with these PWG guys all going towards AEW. It's the kind of thing where it just feels natural, where the kind of all would eventually fall there. Um, maybe I think the only one maybe might be Cesaro, but that said, uh, I don't know if part of that is just because they have kind of now and then kind of kind of showcasing him a little bit like this year facing Roman Reigns before just being dropped to the mid card again. He's he's nothing now if he's featured at all. Like a trusted veteran on the show rather than anything spectacular. And I, I, I mean again the PWG guys would just it just makes sense AEW for, to kind of promote the kind of wrestling they are. It's the kind of wrestling they were wrestling on the indies ten years ago. So I wouldn't be surprised if more of those names go over. We'll see, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> tangents, I've got to stop these tangents. <laughs> Actually, get to the main card. So, well, uh, I mean, we, we, we you know, listener mm. question, that's, oh, I yeah. think that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's, 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 fine. That, look, that, 
Yeah, as opposed to some of the stuff I do, like, yeah, it's, it's way be below the pale of, uh, or not as bad as stuff we normally get into. Now we're talking about t- uh, digressing. <laughs> so let's get back to Let's get back to the lecture right here. It's like the BBC doing a report, uh, an apologizing report on reporting on the snow too much. <laughs> it's just, oh, wow. Yeah, they were, it was, we had like a, a mass amount of it, and it, it was a crazy amount, but almost, we just turned on the BBC, they just turned it on, and all the time we're going, guys, there's there's a lot of snow. <laughs> Let's have a report of the snow. How are you doing in the snow, John? It's really cold. There's lots of snow. <laughs> Thanks for telling us, John. It was that like all day, and then eventually they had to air an apology for talking too much about the snow. <laughs> it's, just, it's, like, it's just amazing. Anyway, Pinnacle versus Dark Order, FDR and Sean Spears, accompanied by Tony Blanchard, versus Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and John Silver. The next little chapter in, I guess, for both of them. This actually works as a. Nice little quick match for both entities to spin off of into the directions that they need to next. A fun little six-man tag as we got to see Wee Johnny Hungy's fire for the first time. I think since that multi-man with Hangman. The pinnacle yeah. winning with an FDR hoist into a Spears Death Valley driver. Uh, yeah, and that, again, a nice little win as Dark Order's disarray continues to fray. Uh, the two halves of opinion ever since Hangman took his time off to go. And they've just, it's kind of like organically just kind of built and built step by step. The two halves in the stable finally coming to blows as Anna Jay is almost falling into the default parent of the group as they all just keep falling out and having their problems. And I don't know if it's the the way that she was presented was all almost always as like a number two next to Brodie Lee, but she, she was always the quiet one. She would never actually have to verbalise anything it's because mostly because Bradley was already there why would she need to but now that uh, the group is just falling out like she's the one that feels like she's the voice of reason <laughs> for all of this that's going on uh, but I just yeah. love the way it all stems from Hangman leaving as well so um, I guess I was going to ask you so where okay so obviously Grayson and Uno are on the side of give at the time of give Adam the space and he wants to be away. Let him go through whatever he's dealing with. And then obviously you have Silver Reynolds that want to not listen to their friends wishes because they feel like they know better because he is spiraling in a way. Mm. Um, what do you are, are it seems like it, but I don't really know are um, 10 and or Preston and also uh, Cabana, are they just neutral people? Just want, just hopes that you know those two forces on opposite ends just don't fight and are trying to break up them fighting. Is that I what think, it is? I think Cabana is. I think uh, Ten and um, Angels, they are on one of the sides. I forgot. About, I forgot about Ten and Angels. Yeah. So what side are they on? I can't remember. <laughs> They're on one of the sides. They were, yeah. I mean, because there was so much scrapping going on after the match, mm. and I, I, I forgot. I, I just know for sure that like. Uh, the Smash Brothers are on one side and Silver Reynolds on on the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the kind of I key can... two, really. Uh, the others, okay. the, yeah, the, it, it's it's an even number. I think it's what they were going for, but I can't remember okay. who's def- who, which of the lower ones are on which side. But okay, but yeah, they yeah, it's like an even split within the group of who who wants to side with Hangman and not do anything, lay it like the Super Mario Brothers, or who wants to actually like, but no, but he's our friend. Yeah, as you were saying, like clearly he's spiraling. We need to do something here. And yeah, I like how it is spinning that way. And now we finally got uh, Conti and Anna Jay finally kind of back integrated with the group. There is this kind of outside two people who have come in to see this, who 
on on either side and do want the, uh, the fighters to kind of stop, which is uh, a nice little note that the Dark Order themselves are spiraling with the along with the whole page thing and maybe page returning is the thing to save them or they can actually save themselves. Well, to be fair, Paige doesn't even have to join them. Paige could just say a sentence, and I feel I trust AW enough for that sentence to sort out the Dark Order for, the, for to make them realise. <laughs> just say, oh, it's all okay. It's all okay, guys. They, they, their, their storylines are often quite heartfelt, and they lead to like a nice place. And yeah, we got our amazing entrance with Hangman and the Dark Order. I don't even know if we need <laughs> Hangman to properly join them again. <laughs> After that, we got our moment, and it was beautiful. Uh, anyway, uh, after the words, we got Tony backstage with Tony Schiavone, asking Tony Khan to book Sean Spears versus Darby Allen next week, and Sting, a time will come when it's just me, you and me. Is it, uh, building to Tony versus Sting. I mean, we've already had Tony do a little vessel once, I guess. Especially if, as it's like one match a year. I'm perfectly fine. I'm perfectly fine with the older veterans having a match if it's in the middle of the card, goes and it's like five minutes and it's once a year. <laughs> like, am I really going to complain? It's fine. It's perfectly fine. He's not going for the title. Look, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> I, I saw Big Show versus QT Marshall on All Out go three minutes and change. I would much rather see Sting and Tully. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Well. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That's where I am. Like, that's, 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 I'm just being real. I would much rather see two, I would rather see two dudes that are what, uh, 50 and 60 than, um, than, than, than QT Marshall versus Big Show. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I was also just like, ah, don't, don't. Don't particularly care. I guess this is a bit of a come down from what from the CM Punk match to get you ready, so you don't have to do the New Japan 10, 15 minute headlock start <laughs> or just or the slow kind of working into it. But no, you can hit the ground running with Omega Christian because you've already brought them down. <laughs> Which is, but then the flip side of that is he did bring them down. <laughs> do you have to actually bring them down? So that's an interesting one. Uh, also, after the ad break, that is when we got the Varsity Blondes in the trainers' room. A fire lit under Pillman as he announces he and MGF will fight at the Arthur Ashe show. Uh, the acclaimed interrupting with genuine heartfelt roses, which definitely didn't have any undermining <laughs> behind them. Uh, to tell the lad they've also politics to Tony, uh, Castle and Pillman will wrestle this Friday on Rampage to a big pop from the Cincinnati crowd. <laughs> they love that. Um, but yes, then we got the whole segment with the Elite, which we've already talked about how amazing that was. Going in to the main event, where I was talking about this on uh, Keeping It Strong Style with uh, Jeremy Donovan, about Suzuki's debut at All Out. For me, it takes a lot to actually to give me goosebumps in wrestling, uh, to get that like raw emotion from me. It takes a lot, but Suzuki's debut out on Sunday genuinely gave me goosebumps. <laughs> it caught me so off guard. And for me, it's because there's two pops, and I think it's the second one that kind of... Uh, I'm, I'm set already after the first pop, but when the second one happens, it's it, there's a stirring amongst the crowd, and then Moxley, the, the camera works fantastic as Moxley kind of looks towards it. He does the Roman Reigns, ooh, what's going on here? But they, they bloody, they do the wide shot afterwards, so it's fine. <laughs> so you don't then stay on Moxley. <laughs> he is not the important thing right here. Uh, yeah, then, then, there's, then Minoru Suzuki's name comes up on the Titantron, and the crowd pop like crazy. 
and then they somehow pop even louder when he walks out. <laughs> and that's the bit. It's just those two things shortly after each other. Like the one-two punch of his name, then it's him. And the way the crowd reacted to that, oh, it's, it, it was magical. <laughs> and the way they introduced him was amazing. And on the pay-per-view itself, just announcing, oh, by the way, we're going to air this free on TV on Wednesday. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, what? You're not going to save this for Arthur Ashe? <laughs> this is going straight <laughs> into the show? Cool. Uh, yeah, because all we knew was that Moxley was going to get a, like a hometown little match in Ohio, like it's his place, we're going to do a little big little thing. But to it, for it to be Suzuki, suddenly this is a whole other level. The excitement was high. And we got ourselves a quick big, uh, I was say quick big fight. What I mean is just lamping each other for like eight minutes. <laughs> no letdown whatsoever. Like a, the previous match they've had in New Japan on high speed, <laughs> just quickly going through the make the big punches. Uh, we'll say in terms of reception, fans chanting "Holy shit!" during Suzuki's entrance, and this is awesome after one forearm. <laughs> I thought it was just ah oh, Suzuki's nailed it. He's of that of that school of maximum pop for minimal effort. Nailed it. He's, a long, he's had a long career, and this is why. <laughs> just absolutely nailing it, and. Yeah, they were just forming each other for the first part of this match. And fair to say, AW had a tad of a hot match on their hands where that is the reception for them doing, like, walking out and doing one forearm. And they're going mental. <laughs> you have bloody nailed it. A uh, Like, a few minutes in, they were just biting each other on the head. It's like, oh, yeah, this is definitely a Moxley-Suzuki match. They were painting the picture that both of these guys are almost like a mirror of the same mental person. Uh, which I, I like, that's a nice little note from Conte. And the match then descended into a headbutt battle. <laughs> so like, ah, yes, the New Japan coming over here to WWE. We, uh, sorry, w, Jesus Christ. AEW, <laughs> we're getting the headbutts. Uh, Suzuki bleeding over the right eye all the way down his face after it looked like a ton of miscommunication and uh, uh, a lariat from Moxley ended up accidentally, genuinely cocking him a bit too hard. But if anything, that just added to it. It was like soon after he's kicking out at one after the actual lariat, which was the great thing to pop for. Uh, these had a fast forward battle, a dose of non-stop action of strikes and lariats. And Mox celebrating with his hometown fans to send us all home happy. What a notion! <laughs> Pleasing the crowd with the homeboy win. What is this crazy concept? And um, I will say I've seen some people not be that high in this match because of it was kind of short. They cut. Uh, obviously, fans aren't going to be happy when he cut off Kaze Nina Rare. The live fans didn't seem to care that much. Like they were just into everything that was happening. Uh, but obviously, their boy came out next, so they're going to pop for Moxley. <laughs> they're not really going to care that much. Uh, but still, like the it was like one of the things on fast forward. If you've not watched a Suzuki Moxley match before, then maybe you probably did enjoy this more because you don't know the other gears they also have in their pocket and when they face. Oh each my other. god! Because this was very yeah. Quick. They're... Yeah, um, like uh, every yearly, you know this, uh, yearly, uh, me and Rich and our contributors to our year-end recaps for uh, for um, the different promotions we cover, like we have, you know, we have people put in their top ten favorite matches from the from the each individual year uh, for the promotion, and also like we have them add in uh, at the end of our award show. Um, in February or or January are you know their ten favorite matches all around the world. Like Moxley versus it versus um Suzuki from last year was one of my twenty favorite matches. It didn't make so it didn't make the list, but like as I was cutting down, like it was inside of there. So uh 
this was not that match at the high end, but it was fun for a, I don't know, a 12, 13, however long it went, um, uh, minute match. Like, they pretty much did the hits of what their awesome match was from last year, and it was fun. And, um, you know, Cosme and R.A., people not being able to scream that. Like, I mean, we got that on in Chicago, um, at least. Uh, but, yeah, like, my, my only gripe is that it didn't go longer, and I still I still enjoyed the hell out of the match. And, um, you know, uh, you mentioned that they're kind of a mirror of each other. Like, I, you know, uh, their first match when um, from, I think it was February last year, like, when they had that match at the end of Moxie 1, um, and you see, like, Suzuki on the floor, like, smiling, it was almost like, there's another person out here in the world that's as crazy as I am. Like, I, 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 I love their interactions. Like, you know, somewhere down the line, I like to see them be a tag team or um, in some type of uh, way. But, yeah, like, they're, they're, they're really good together. And, like, just watch them just trade forearms and just, you know, lariats and and, and chokes and, and arm bars and, and PK. Like, it was just fun. It was just fun. A, 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 yeah, a really fun main event match. Where there is more, and again, if you want to see, if you've not watched their work from New Japan, yeah, last February, I can't remember what the event was called, well, probably a New Beginning show. and I think it was. Yeah, they, that's normally around February, that one. Um, but yeah, they, uh, yeah, the image I have in, uh, in, uh, kind of scarred in my head is the two just having a chairs battle, just swinging it at each other, just because they both have the same line of thought. Remember, well, remember when they were jousting with like the with the plastic guardrails? Yeah, <laughs> they're out of their so minds. They're, they're like they're, they're out of their minds. Like I, I, I love, I love when John Moxley is wrestling um, some of the vets in New Japan. Like I, you know, um, if I were if it were to, it was up to me, I'm going to have to try to convince the lobby for this. But so far, how to, how it's going? Like I, I want like John Moxley versus New Japan dads okay. as like yes. a few of the year contender um, on One Issue Radio uh, 2020 awards. Like I, I've loved. His match with with Yuji Nagata. I've loved his match with uh, Kojima. I've loved this match with, that he had with um with Suzuki. And like, hopefully, there's more. Like, obviously, he, we don't necessarily consider him a dad, but given his age, like, eventually we'll get a Tanahashi match, and that's yeah. gonna be a blast. Yeah, <laughs> I am also in that exact vein. Just, uh, I mean, next on my list, like the one that uh, the AW fans are just just waiting to happen is Ishii versus somebody. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And given that Moxley is currently facing all of Japan, like why not? <laughs> why not have yeah. Ishii Moxley? I mean, given their match date, the mm. given the match date in G One uh, two years ago, good lord! Yeah, time is. I mean, uh, the pandemic has just broken time. It's just the concept. The <laughs> yeah. two, of... <laughs> two years, two years ago, or ten? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a genuine it's other world. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. but that's the match that gave us Air Ishii. So yes, it was an inc- yes. incredible battle that one. Uh, yeah, two two people where the idea of uh, starting a match by walking to walking to each other and just putting head to head before forearming is like perfect for those two. Absolutely perfect. Uh, so yeah, for me that's like the next one. But you can do that one before you do Tanahashi. Maybe full gear if you're just gonna have this be his arc <laughs> to Wrestle Kingdom. Oh my god, that <laughs> so, would that'd be beautiful. I mean, I'm assuming Tanahashi and Moxley is set for Wrestle Kingdom, purely because uh, like it's the way they're building. That's it, the what way we all think. Yeah, the way they're holding it off, uh, the kind of the timing that they're doing it with, uh, as in the little subtle builds at their show uh, where uh, the show that Jeremy went to. I forgot what it's the strong show. Resurgence. Yeah, that was it. So uh, doing uh, having Tanahashi there, and Moxley at ringside and stuff like little side builds without doing it directly. I I personally, uh, yeah, I'm a massive fan of it. And 
yeah, they got three knights of Wrestle Kingdom. I was talking about this with Jeremy. They gotta fill it with something. So hopefully that foreign talent can come in. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a great showing that the best match, the best match on the second night of your like big show <laughs> was the Stardom one on the pre-show. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I worded it hey, as but... they went full Usos. They just stole the show in the pre-show. Just <laughs> it's like, <laughs> look, I'm not. Um, obviously, I am. I am the Stardom guy, but I am not the Stardom guy that's gonna blow smoke. Hmm. Uh, rich. So rich mission is like. Because Rich, Rich kind of like feels like vindicated because uh, when we were previewing the the five star Grand Prix, that he thought that the blue block was going to outdo uh, the, the the G one this year, and mm. I was like, I don't know about all that. But um, given you know, given what these two shows have been, and given what that card had looked like, um, like the the deeper car, like the blue block is deeper than either one of the blocks um, in a <laughs> in the A block or the B block this year. So he feels vindicated, and then he mentioned went on to mention that like. Hell, maybe they should give one of those three days to start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know, I'll tell you right now. If Stardom got a Tokyo Dome show, they're not gonna fuck around. You're gonna get multiple great matches. You're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna have to worry about evil being being the main event and having all this bullshit going on right now. But but yeah, um, it's cool to see John and Suzuki and Suzuki over here uh, wrestling a bunch of different people. Uh, for the next couple months, but it does. It, but looking back at it, like you see that those cards for the Grand or the G One, and you're just like, they really could have used Suzuki. Suzuki mm-hmm. was like one of the five or six best wrestlers in the uh, G One last year. You'll see, still awesome. Mm. Oh, we gotta we gotta have Tamatonga versus Chase Owens. So, oh, yeah, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta you gotta have hype, big hype. <laughs> you gotta get ready oh, for Dark Horse to- back to the t- <laughs> tournament. Uh, anyway. That is the uh, like end of the review of the show. We did it. We got to the end. We didn't, we didn't, didn't sidetrack too much for us. And so one last question. So, oh, yeah, you got one more note. I was going to ask you a question. What do you think is next for John Moxley now? I feel like well, this has been a nice In little... In AEW, anyway. So this has been like a nice little reset for him where he can generally mm-hmm. go anywhere. He can wrestle one of the new names. He can build up a young guy who's clearly got the potential, but just needs that, that feud. He can be that person as well. He could face Miro. He could face uh, he could go for a title of some sort. He could do anything, or he can, or he can just continue his current crusade. <laughs> there are so many different options for Moxley, and I mean, like currently, uh, I think the next thing I've seen him advertise for is the first recording at Universal. Where it's the super team of uh, Darby oh, okay. Allen, Moxley. We could be Dar- what's the- it could be Darby Allen for though. Like finally, kind of going back to that. But yeah, so it could be. So it's him, Eddie Kingston, Sting, and Darby Allen uh, in a tag match at Universal Studios. So uh, yeah, so he's he's doing that still. But I don't know what I don't know what his big picture is really going to be. He's is in a nice little spot where he can do anything really. Where he's had that little reset, he's got that momentum. So now, what does he do? And we'll wait and see. Because like, I don't know what he's doing at Arthur Ashe. He, to be fair, he can just be in a nice little featured match at Arthur Ashe, or like a, or even just a multi-man tag, just to have the crowd be happy to see him. He doesn't need to go like anything crazy, really. So yeah, I don't actually. Have you got any ideas? No, I was mm. wondering because like mm. he's kind of just free in the clear, like. um there was a while earlier in the year where I thought like they should just do uh, Cody versus Moxley just because like you know um, they had kind of been treading water and then obviously Malachi came in that kind of changed 
change change mm. things. So, um, you know, I, there's still room for that eventually because, like, you know, put two of the best talkers in wrestling together and see what happens. So uh, one last uh, question from the chat. Uh, with all the new big-name talent coming in, do we think that AEW needs another championship? So for me personally, there's only one that I think would work really well, and that's a trios title. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Yeah, if you're going to add a title and like no no singles titles, oh, add a trios yeah. title. Yeah. All Dark Order with um, Inner Circle with the Elite with uh jurassic express like they're, they're team taz like they have tons of factions and that was for a reason um i kind of i kind of wish they had had they had one by now um mm. death triangle is another one like you know so yeah that would be that would be the one tag the one uh title that i would want in AEW. outside of that if it's another singles title i think they should they should not do it i think they should keep that yeah because you, you're in danger of doing what New Japan have done, kind of where you got so many singles titles where it's rare for all of them to be on a decent run. And right now in AW, you're seeing your singles guys all be on great kind of footing and great runs. Whilst in New Japan, that's very rarely the case that everybody's on, like, running really well. Uh, they, yeah, it, it happens quite often where they'll fall down for quite a while and before, like, they'll heat up for Wrestle Kingdom. But outside of that, quite often it's like hit and miss which ones have actually got momentum going. Um, yeah, like if you hmm. see, because this promotion is um, depends on the promotion, right? And hmm. the talent you have, three, you know, multiple titles that they all work, uh, single titles all work. It just depends on like if you want to what you want to do. Like, um, like for example, I don't think that you can do an AEW. I don't think you can do a high speed stardom type like like how stardom oh, yeah, does. You yeah. just can't do it. But uh but like the I just think so I think that a trio's title makes the most sense. It's if it's different, it fills a different void. If it works on the faction warfare that you have you've established for years since I, uh, um and from and so it gives, it gives you a different matchup, give you different matchups. Uh, you get to protect people because like in trios matches or multi, you know, faction matches, you just pin the wink link. Yeah. So uh, for me, I, I think that's the way to go. And you get a bunch of people on the card to do it, and something is keeps people fresh. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the trios title. It's the trios title. Uh, and uh, yeah. one note that I completely forgot to make earlier during the elite thing was that. Adam Cole, whenever he refers to Elite, he's not once mentioned Gallows or Anderson. Or, or, or Don Callis. He, he, he always, both times, he's only mentioned Kenny Omega on the books and he's just ignored them. <laughs> Which I think, knowing a, in, in, a different, in a different world, maybe I'd treat that as nothing. But in AEW, when everything's thought through, there's sudden weight to that. <laughs> the fact that he's not addressing them. Yeah. In knowing how AEW works, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, that's probably gonna build something. Uh, it's the original Bullet Club yeah. is fine story before Cole Simon WWE, and they just shifted it to Cody, and it surprisingly worked incredibly well. <laughs> regardless, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, yeah, you can wind the clock back. I, I think it's also something to like, hey, we're gonna make new shirts, and like they're not part of the merch. They're not. They're not getting a cut. So just, just put them over here, like. <laughs> 
Yeah. Your 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 uh your funds will be going towards us. <laughs> and I really like the idea. Uh, someone jokes that they should release a Daniel Vine shirt, a, a Vine Danielson shirt of what he was wearing at the uh, All Out premiere. All Out premiere. His debut at All Out, the shirt that he was wearing. You release that shirt as a Daniel Vine shirt because he was wearing. And he wore it again tonight. A plain white T-shirt with nothing on it. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so, just, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so can we say that these were made by uh, Virgil Abloh and then charge like people like a hundred bucks for per white T-shirt? Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So we can do we can do the Kanye West scam. Yes, <laughs> it's just it's okay. Quite, it's because it's sure. got the Brian Danielson name attached to it as well. It's like oh, it comes it comes right. with that prestige. <laughs> like you gotta right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sold it for a right. normal Minimal. price. So yeah. yeah, it's art. It's minimalism. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Go for that. Uh, he can fund his trips to Japan. <laughs> it's got to fly. It's don't if don't mind. It's got to fly first class. <laughs> like he can't even go normally. He's like yeah, he's got to get the the best hotel in Tokyo. He's like unfortunately, he just got to donate to Brian Danielson. Just got to buy the t shirt. <laughs> and weirdly enough, it'd probably be more suitable to wear out in public than most wrestling shirts. <laughs> so yeah, a nice white t shirt. <laughs> It'll be perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. It's currently boiling in uh, this country. Uh, I'm wearing nothing but plain white t shirts. <laughs> just yeah. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Cape Black Dealing my way the Gildan Tees <laughs> just yes <laughs> anyway uh, I, I'm going to sign off I am this is the end of my crazy knackering week of like incredibly late night then one day out of it to recover before the next one this is the end I've got nothing till Tuesday wrestling wise I get to recover finally the bags under my eyes the, the paleness I finally recover I come back I return oh it's I, 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 I noticed on the Raw review what it's like to actually do a review and be able to speak <laughs> like, when I'm doing all out at like five in the morning. Oh, it was tough. <laughs> it was tough. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> ah, but, that's crazy. I mean, when it's a show that you're that hyped afterwards, though, like you don't mind doing it, but you suddenly realise how nice it is to be able to talk good. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My muscles not work nice <laughs> at that time in the morning. Anyway... Uh, that is the end of the AW review. A uh, big thank you to James Boyd for joining me. All of his info is there on the screen. Uh, or if you listen to the podcast fo- version, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at JamesBoyd87. And uh, would you want to do your plugs, James? Oh, uh, well, you just did one of them. You can also uh, go to at 1H Radio on Twitter and check us out, a uh, podcast where we talk about um, more or less the week of wrestling um, from Mako since. Uh, we do some show reviews. We normally do uh, Dynamite. Normally keep you up to date on what's going on. Like, uh, this week we covered uh, the participants in the G1 this week as well. Um, we'll probably have a review up for, in a couple weeks, uh, the preview uh, WWE Extreme Rules. Uh, so check us out. And uh, they're, they're all on Twitter as well, at Social Suplex, at One Nation Radio. Uh, also, there's the Facebook group where, which uh, I think Jeremy, I can't remember who runs it. Is it Rich and Jeremy? I don't actually know. Uh, uh, I'm also, we're all admins on it. Oh, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's the Wrestling Square Circle. Just enter it in Facebook and uh, you can join. Uh, we also have, also, we have a Discord. Uh, so uh, check out our Discord. I'll actually, um, I'll, I'll link to it um, end up in replies of this, uh, for the tweet for this that you uh, put out. Yes, yeah. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implacatless Dam as in damn. And I've recently changed that to being Chono, not Farouk. Because <laughs> he, he does that goddamn. <laughs> uh, 
And I, uh, you can follow me on Twitch as well, The Implications with two S's. Not streamed in a little while, but uh, I'm hoping to, when things settle down, actually stream there a little bit more. And I, oh, there's the uh, columns over at Laws at Pain as, as well. I've not posted since I wrote my NXT column that went a little bit viral. <laughs> so that, that's kind of been my, my magnum opus to stand back for a bit and let it glow. <laughs> or, or, you know, just, just a little bit of time to, to recover from the, the craziness of the type of comments it was getting. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, I say that. I'll be starting the uh, G1 Climax. Uh, Jamie Donovan will be joining me to review G1 Climax every single week as we're doing that. The best matches, the MVPs of the week in covering that uh, that tournament as it progresses. It starts in eight days. So my return to columning, it will be happening. But there's other writers absolutely knocking it out of the park. Hustle, who is back with us and posting. I find it crazy to see the signs for the site at uh, old Attitude Era shows and like Hustle's posting right now stuff. Because that's me going back. It's a guy I know now. So me going back and seeing it, it's like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> this is a completely different era. <laughs> uh, yes. But- but anyway, yeah, so, uh, yeah, loads, loads of writers knocking it out the park right now. And uh, in terms of this, I'll be back on Tuesday to review Monday Night Raw. Uh, my hope is one when things have all settled down, I could do a review during the day of Saturday and just and do, like, Rampage and, or maybe Smackdown together, and I can drop Raw. Maybe. <laughs> I have to convince people. <laughs> that is wise to not cover Monday Night Raw anymore. Uh, I feel like we're at that point. As in terms of the wrestling hierarchy, it's currently fourth because uh, NXT just doesn't. Fourth. In terms of like the US wrestling of weekly, hmm. in terms of quality, um, it's below other things like Impact probably, but in, maybe even MLW and things. But in terms of like in terms of like uh, prestige, where it would fall on that, I guess it's still in terms of modern day. I think I would go with Dynamite, SmackDown, Rampage, Raw. Kind of in that order, in terms of mm. the actual momentum right now. Maybe, maybe. Mm. Then NXT way far down. Like <laughs> uh, as as my column called as my column image called it, not the column itself. The column image called it NXT is dead. <laughs> it's something new now. It's something else. Uh, that era's gone. Onto something completely different now. Um, we'll see it on Tuesday. I don't expect it to be awful. It's still mostly ran by the same people, even if the like direction has shifted. It may feel like old school NXT. Just my only gripe is that was a one hour for, or like 45 minutes for a reason. That show is fine at 45 minutes. If you try and do that for two hours, uh, I'm not sure USA is going to be too keen to renew that. Not too sure. <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. It might be fine. Uh, anyway, I've already said thank you to James uh, for joining me. I'm going to end the show now at a Brightly two hours <laughs> also. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll see you on Tuesday for the Monday Night Raw review. Uh, uh, thank you for joining, liking, subscribing, engaging in any form, any manner. Always, uh, always appreciated. Never take anything for granted. And with that, I bid you adieu and say adios. And James bids you uh, for the Later. Po- <laughs> I was gonna say for the podcast. It's nutty wave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Ta-ra, ta-ra.